Good afternoon, Professor Peter Lanham. Are you there? I am here, yes, indeed. Now we're back on the occult this week. Yes! <laughs> yes, we couldn't stay a long way from it. <laughs> that was too powerful. It drew <laughs> yes. us in. Yes, and this is such a fascinating one because, I mean, I think probably everybody knows, everybody knows a little bit about spiritualism or at least about Ouija boards. Okay, we've got, uh, Ouija boards? Well, I know of yes. them. I can't say I've ever been brave enough to, like, muck around yeah, with a Ouija yes. board. But have you ever had a yes. go, Peter? Uh, no, I've watched others having go. I've watched for interest others. <laughs> Regardless, it's too dodgy to get involved in too closely. Yes. Um, but in other words, it's a means by which some kind of non-materialist message can be communicated to people, um, and either by the Ouija board or by wrappings, which was another f- feature of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Um the outside world, the world beyond your senses, yes. could signal to you some message from beyond. Mm-hmm. And so you you put questions and then you get a, a, a certain type of rap. A rap's, the simplest one is a, a one bang for yes and two bangs for no. Okay. Um, and there are various versions of this, or in the Ouija board, it, it, it slips and slides towards in a particular direction. Have you seen this and actually seems... happen? Does it move by itself on the Ouija board? Yeah, 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 that's right. It does. But I mean, all, yeah, but all sorts of factors might explain why something moves around a board. Okay. And um, it's the interpretation given to it that that you say it's somebody from outside yes from the other from another world trying to communicate with could us. it be i mean is it mostly ghosts or is it aliens or what what sort of things are typically so communicating with it when this developed in the 19th century it was at a time when there was an enormous concern for communicating with the dead yes um people were very very conscious of the death of young people and wanting to, or the deaths of partners. And it, it was the early Industrial Revolution, quite high levels of deaths of young people. And um, so for lots of reasons, there was just a desperate desire to hear from the dead. Mm. And it was the beginning of the age, which doesn't think all answers have to come through religion, that there must be, the dead live, but the dead live in some other zone. Mm. And so if you can somehow find a way of getting messages from them, that will be incredibly powerful. Yes. Now, where did, so where the, did spiritualism first kick off and what form did it take in New Zealand? Oh, it... well, we know exactly the answer to that. Mm. 1848 in Rochester, New York State, mm. uh, with three sisters, the Fox sisters, who maintained a very vivid communication um, with their lost father, if I remember rightly. Mm. Um, may stand to be corrected on that. Uh, many years later, one of the sisters said it was all a hoax. But at the time, it seemed utterly convincing and startled people astonishingly. Mm. That got an enormous coverage, including newspapers in New Zealand. People were really, really interested and gradually the notion of the seance became the way in which it was done. Mm-hmm. So in the seance, um, you get somebody, the clairvoyant, who has means of communicating with 
those who've gone beyond. And they always use this language of gone beyond. So just out of reach, but it's still within reach. Mm -hmm. And so somehow we needed to get some communication with them. And so typically, and there's, you know, there's some fantastic descriptions uh, in books about uh, seances in the 19th century. Always a darkened room, uh, curtains drawn, a very, very emotional atmosphere, mm. uh, often a, a tinkling bell, which would commence the, the, the start of the seance, and then great excitement as questions would be put to the spirit who was communicating through the, through the clairvoyant mm. who was there and was telling what was being said. And the clairvoyant would sometimes go into a hypnotic-type voice to express what was being said, or sometimes there was even behind the curtain some sort of aura which appeared and which had people very, very excited. They were sure they saw their dead relation. And there would always be questions put to, to confirm that it was them. You know, are you the person who died at such yes. and such a time? Can you tell me something that nobody else would know? And so there'd be an establishment of um, some security. And then often through wrappings at a table, or tappings and people sitting around a darkened room. So there'd be a lot of suspicion that mm. somebody else in the room was doing it. Yes. And occasionally there'd be these ghostbusters, if you like, who would come in and, and try to reveal that the whole thing was a hoax. Mm. But, uh, you know, when it first came to New Zealand in about 1869 to Dunedin, um, there were very ardent believers of it very ardent believers. There, there were kind of these clairvoyants, some of them remarkable women and men, and it's intriguing seeing women as playing a rather a key role in, in early spiritualism. How so, Peter? Well, often the clairvoyant is a woman, uh, and this gives the woman great power, you know, because she's the one who can speak from the dead or for the dead, uh, and she's regarded as more spiritually sensitive and open to the messages from beyond than most men. There, there, there were men as well, of course, that, that played this role. Uh, New Zealand in the 19th century, there was a series of these sort of colourful visitors who did tours around from everything from ballet and, uh, and Shakespeare theatre and vaudeville to spiritualists and... Uh, priests and ex-priests and all sorts of people selling their wares. Um, and spiritualists were really quite a big feature of this. And very early on in Dunedin, <clears throat> a remarkable sp uh, spiritualist association opened in Dunedin and developed rather curiously f from within the free thinkers. So free thinkers were those who rejected traditional religion but it didn't mean to say that they rejected the spiritual. So they regarded Christianity as very narrow in its unwillingness to accept that there might be voices from beyond other than God. And so they're listening out for new voices. Sounds, I mean, you know, hey, I'm open to that. Exotic. Peter. Yeah, it sounds exotic, but it's yeah. interesting to 
uh, see that they are looking for other things, you know, because surely this is not one voice. Well, what becomes particularly interesting is when they, when the voices from beyond beginning begin to announce uh, fabulous things, hidden treasure, mm. or lost mysteries, or where a person who murdered so and so because the dead could speak. Um, so in, in various ways, uh, people thought that these voices might communicate something that we didn't know. And of course, I mean that's been done very recently because wasn't there? Uh, a, a clairvoyant used for a murder in Australia quite recently, unsuccessfully. Yes. But I mean, these things happen where mm-hmm. people think maybe there are sources of information. There might be a hunch. They've, there's something there yes. worth investigating. Yeah, I think people still kind of hang on to that sort of stuff, don't they? Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there still are spiritualist churches. There's yeah. one very close to the Mount Albert Pack and Save. Okay. If you go directly up the road across from the Mount Albert Pack and Save. Mm. On the right, you will see that there is a spiritualist church there. Okay. Um, and there's another one in Napier. And I think those two are the last real surviving spiritualist communities in New what Zealand. What are they doing? But there are they, is a website. Are they still um, doing seances and that sort of stuff at those churches? They, yeah, yeah, they do. They will generally do Sunday night spiritualist, yep. um, yeah, uh, Seances. Have you been to one of those? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Hmm. I mean, the trouble is that they're mostly old ladies, yes. you know, with um, not a great deal of historical interest to report. Yeah. But what I would really suggest, if anybody's interested in this subject, on the University of Canterbury's website, they got the account of the Psychic Society of Canterbury's minute book that was found that covers the years in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. And this is, it's very carefully analyzed. And it tells the story of how, you know, for example, uh, there was supposedly, they were able to point to an insurance claim that if you could only find it on a shelf of some house, unfortunately not very precisely described, you could get a fortune. And one of a very notable Christchurch Methodist family, uh, one of the Lovell Smiths, um, was the leader of the Canterbury Psychic Society. And it seems to have had a long existence and kept, you know, a dutiful minute book mm. of all the interesting goings on. Yes. Uh, and in... in um, Andrew Wood's book called Shadow World. Mm. He also describes using a, a thesis by Sean Broadley. Um, he he marvelously describes some of the, I mean, quite colourful uh, people who visited New Zealand. Some of them proving to be extremely dodgy. Yes. One, it appears, was actually a gay couple. Um, who had to keep their relationship very hush-hush and described one as the secretary of the other. Mm-hmm. But there's reason to, to indicate it was a bit more than that. But the most fantastic visit was the visit after World War One of Arthur... Um, uh, <coughs> oh, what's his name? Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm. So Conan Doyle, um, the writer of the, of the great um, fictional series of Sherlock Holmes... Um, was a great believer in spiritualism. And when he came to New Zealand to talk about spiritualism in the 1920s, he filled buildings like the Civic Theatre with Mm. enormous crowds of people. 
And it's very easy to understand why, because so many people had lost relations in World War I. Mm. And there was just a profound sense of grief uh, within the society, a longing to reach out. And here comes Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, eminent, widely respected, uh, and uh, holding these massively attended meetings which offer some way to recover the voices of the lost dead. Yes. So, you know, really quite um, um, sensational um, occasions, I think. Wow. Um, And, of course, the thing about the spiritualists is they kept insisting that this this could be subjected to scientific investigation. And so there always was in London... Um, the Society of Psychical Research, which Doyle was very closely linked to, Mm -hmm. which kept insisting and published a a journal that they wanted their claims to be scientifically investigated because they believed that you could really could measure that there were people from outside who were entering our universe and you could measure their impact. Yes. One has to perhaps be a little bit sceptical about this, but it's very interesting how powerful the longing was for this to be true. Mm, yeah, of course, of course. Hey, Peter, we're um, getting pretty close to the news here, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd just be curious to hear your reflections on uh, your attendance or being in, you know, seeing people use a wedgie board or being at a seance. What, what did you feel in the room when you attended these things? Well, the first thing I felt is that all eyes turned on people like me who mm. might be sceptical because we could disrupt the flow. Okay. So that was the first thing, mm. that if I expressed anything, I was the cause of why no messages were coming through. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, you see, you need to believe in order for it to happen. Okay. And I found that very difficult. Mm. <laughs> um, secondly, I was intrigued that the people who were keenest to participate, some were just in it for fun. Mm. And this was, I mean, you understand, this was, I, I think it was, I was at the end of school, I was in my seventh form or something like that um, when I went along. To, it was as part of a school party, if I remember mm. rightly. Yeah. Uh, so there was a sense in which, were there really going to be any deep believers in this? Although there were always people, and there always are in any community who do believe in this, even though it goes against the predominant sort of material, materialist approach mm. that we take to things. And they were looking for believers. Yes. And I felt that hunger for belief was really interesting. Mm. Mm. All right, Peter Lynham. Hey, thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat to us this afternoon. Always, wow, <clears throat> I love talking about this occult stuff. Um, it's, it's great. Um, we'll look forward to chatting next week, Peter. Yes, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm available. Oh, okay, yes, of course, of course. And actually, I think next week's a public holiday, so definitely not next week. Oh, yes, well, or the week after. I'm <laughs> okay. not sure. Yep. Right. We'll yes. see you again. Very good. All right, cheers, bye. Okay. See you, bye.